Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening is Peter Rutzler. The nights are getting colder, but Liga is just hotting up. And with another exciting weekend of action, who came out on top and who was left watching in a cafe? Uh, all of that and more after the latest headlines. Saint-Étienne are still winless under new man Julien Sable as Strasbourg came from behind twice on Friday evening to earn a 2-2 draw at the Stade Geoffrey Guichard. Saturday's early kickoff saw a feisty Breton derby settled by a Wabi Kazri brace for Rennes. Not had Emiliano Sala score from the spot in between the Tunisians double as Nicolas Palwa saw red in the second half. In the multiplex, Montpellier piled more well on Lille with a 3-0 win, with Marcelo Bielsa resigned to viewing from a laptop in a local cafe, as Caen remained in the European places with a 1-0 win over falling Bordeaux. Angers slipped to 16th and out of the drop zone on only goal difference after a humbling 3-0 defeat at Troyes, while Amiens helped cut Mets further adrift by winning 2-0. Dijon made it three wins in four games as well, with a strong 3-1 win over Toulouse, piling more pressure at the door of Pascal Duprat, who seemed a little bit more interested in his phone than the action on the pitch at the weekend. On Sunday, Lyon ripped apart a laboured Nice side 5-0, scoring four in the first half. The result lifted them into second in the table, while Lucien Favre's men drop into the relegation paces. Marseille remain a point behind that Lyon side after a 1-0 win over Gangomp, with Florian Tovan notching the winner with an excellent run in the first half. The weekend's final match saw Paris Saint-Germain head, head to the home of the champions Monaco and walk out comfortable winners. The 2-1 scoreline, not telling the entire story, had returning forward Kylian Mbappe been more clinical, it could have been an even bigger victory for the Parisians. In other news that we are hearing tonight, uh, Bielsa has been has brought a case to the LFP on Lille, preempting a wrongful termination of his current contract. The situation thickens. And that's all for your news. But remember... To keep up to date with everything French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with Paris Saint-Germain's victory over Monaco at the Stade Louis de... As I mentioned in the news, it was a, it was a relatively easy game in all essence, really, Peter. Much easier than maybe we anticipated in a way that... It, PSG were coming into this game in excellent form, but was it disappointing to see Monaco not really put up as much of a fight as we really hoped to keep this this title race at least a little bit interesting? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was it was surprising in the end. I think we we kind of anticipated it would be a, a Monaco display that that was <laughs> going to be far and away from what we had become accustomed to from them last season. Um, I mean, PSG came into the game in really good form and I think we saw them pretty much at their best so if they could have been more clinical I think we we could have been talking about a much much uh, bigger scoreline than 
the final score ultimately was. Monaco, um, we, we, we saw a culmination of a variety of things. I think in recent weeks, defensively, they haven't been good. And, and they've been shown to be vulnerable in a way that we're not used to with, with Monaco. Um, Jardim set them up in a 5-3-2 in a um, just to try and rectify that. And, you know, in the first half, I felt they did okay defensively. Um, they kept the scoreline low. I think it was, would have been the main priority to start with. Um, PSG created opportunities. They had a, a fair amount of the ball, but you wouldn't say they overran them. I mean, obviously, they, Mbappe rounded uh, Subasic early on, missed an open goal, first of a plethora of chances that he squandered. But, it, you know, only 1-0 down at the break wasn't too bad. I mean, the goal itself was awful. Um, Raji did not have a good night before he was ultimately substituted. He just seemed off the pace and unable to deal with the, the front three of Cavani, uh, Mbappe and Neymar, who, who were purring. Um, it's, it's a difficult one, really. I, I wonder what you think of, of um, how Jardim set them up because a 5-3-2 did provide them with that solidity that you know has been lacking I mean they were ruthlessly exposed by Leipzig and I think they didn't have that but in the second half it was just from the off from the kickoff I think I, I tweeted Eric Eric Devin <laughs> saying you know they, were, they weren't doing that bad defensively and then instantly had to had to retract it because they were just blown away and then obviously they gave away a penalty but it's the way they set up wasn't what we're used to and I, what did you think of the 5-3-2? I thought it was a mistake in the end. It's a difficult one because we mentioned last season how well Leonardo Jardim did in games against Paris Saint-Germain by changing things a little bit, especially in that that first fixture. Um, shifting things around a little bit just helped support the team a little bit more. But it, it stinks a little bit of what has happened all season, really, for Monaco, which is they they can't really decide on a formation that fits all the players they have. I mean... They wanted to play three at the black two, I'm assuming, to contain all these excellent attacking players that Paris Saint-Germain have, especially with Neymar and Mbappe being more inside forwards and Draxler also prone to being in that central area as well, sort of condense that. But they just really struggled. I mean, Mbappe, although he didn't score, I feel a little bit sorry for him. But for, he, if he finishes off one or two of those chances, I don't think the, the headlines are very different. And, and the... Uh, the piece that was written in The Guardian by uh, Adam and Eric here today as well really highlighted that he just felt like he needed that little goal to go in and then it might just all click for him again. Because he was making the exact kind of runs he needed to. He was absolutely devastating. He was making Raji look like a like a novice and it just never really worked or clicked in that, in that three. I, I don't think Jemison really worked out where it was. Uh, he kept making Glick isolated. George was way too advanced. He he took that he took that left wing back roller <laughs> with very much a liberal sense of the word, I think, and that's why they sort of maybe shifted it a little bit in the second half to be maybe a bit more of a flat back four in in Amitore probably dropping a little bit deeper. Um, but it never really clicked. They've still not worked out how to fit Tielemans into this side with Moutinho and and Fabinho. Fabinho looks a little bit lost in the sense that. He's trying to do the work of two players. It's not really working. Falcao is maybe snatching at things. Now he's had a couple of games without a goal. He's not got as much service because, again, because of the issues they're having, he's not got as many around him. I don't think Ronnie Lopez is, is sort of cooled off after a really good couple of uh, couple of weeks in, in October. Kaita Balde is not really creating much, really, for others. 
Although he's he's had a he did have a really good assist in the Champions League the other week as well, but they're just lacking something. I think with Tom and Lemar out, it is a really tough moment for them. But I do want to come back to to Paris, uh, Peter, and and really we have I mentioned Mbappe really having not the greatest of games. He could have really killed this off and and been an absolute cricket scorer if he if he really really started killing some of these finishes, but. I just want to talk about the performances of, of Neymar and especially Edinson Cavani, who who probably might be even the most important of those three attackers at the moment. He scored 16 goals this season and he, he's on fire. Yeah, he is. Um, I've never been the the, the uh, I've never been the man to to uh, really shout shout things about Cavani. I've never really been enamoured by him at, at PSG. Obviously, he's he's had to bide his time, whatever. But he can't really argue with it, with his goal scoring record at the moment. I think it's, it's something like twenty two in in all competitions for for Cavani, and that that's ridiculous. I mean, we haven't even reached December yet, uh, and he is playing with 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 Neymar, who you know that does does want to take the spot kicks. I mean, I mean, if he did have the spot kick again, we're talking about even more goals. So, well, especially for I think Cavani has upped his game in a way. That I think a number of players at PSG have done that. Uh, of late, um, I look at Draxler and how how well he's done. Um, especially, against, I was really impressed with him uh, against Monaco. He's 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 really pushing his name forward for to make it to be the fourth man of the of the MCN front three. His movement from midfield, offering them uh, a, a different option, um, allowing the fluidity that they have. You see Mbappe moving into into a central position. Cavani drifts out wide. Neymar likes to stick on the left, but then comes up central. And, and Draxler is slowly learning to pick the pockets of where there are gaps. And his assist for, for Cavani's goal was excellent. It was really good movement. Uh, and he was offering um, Monaco different problems, which is really encouraging for, for Emery to see, especially considering the questions that have been raised about the, the PSG midfield. And I still feel there are questions to be had about it. Um, Rabiot and, and Verratti have done well in his absence of, of, of Thiago Motta through injury. Um, it seems like they are adapting to his absence. One of them is willing to sit. Um, I thought Rabiot was excellent in doing that. Verratti as well was very disciplined in terms of his positioning. Uh, but that's allowed Draxler to push on and to switch from a 4-3-3, which it seems to present itself before the game, to being sort of a, a 4 2 Three one, almost a four in terms of the movement of the of the front three slash four. If you include Draxler, and, and Draxler's established himself in, in midfield, and he's made himself pretty. I think Emery's go-to man. I think Pastore came in last week in, in Draxler's absence and did well. I thought he did well, good position. But now I think the fact that Emery's turned to him, brought him back into the side, and and, and performed again, it, it makes it harder for for. To Emery to drop him, and you know we, we could potentially be talking about a front four, and, and Draxler's not a bad player either. Um, and of course, we're not even talking about the bench and, and Di Maria and whatever else to come in. Um, but the the, the 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 issue with with last night is, of course, that Monaco didn't really challenge them. We didn't really see that back line pressed until relatively late on, where it did squeak a little. Um, in midfield, it, I was surprised to see how comfortable they were relatively against Fabinho and Moutinho and. And Tielemans, and as you said, it felt like Fabinho was trying to do too much. Tielemans doesn't quite know how he's supposed to play in that role, and Jean Moutinho needs that sort of protection to to be creative. So I, th I feel like there there's progress being made, and, and I feel like with PSG especially now, we're looking at a, a more refined 
uh, complete unit that is starting to pick up some momentum that is going to sweep aside teams with consummate ease. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you make an excellent point with, with Draxler. I, it's still surprising that a lot of, well, and at the same time, completely unsurprising that a lot of English media are, are still linking the German with a move to to England or to Bayern Munich. But he, he has really become an important player for Paris Saint-Germain in the last couple of weeks of sort of linking everything together and, and really taking the form that he had in the second half of last year. Because I, I still... Admit, and I, I, I'm surprised that more people haven't noticed this earlier. That he's he's much better centrally. Uh, the, this sort of theory that he was a, a left winger that likes to cut inside it was beyond me. It never really worked at Wolfsburg. It worked at times as a matter of convenience last season, but he's much better inside. He he's more allowed to be creative. I, th- I think they're fooled by the fact that he likes to pick up those positions sort of left of the the 18 yard box, just between there. Uh, maybe 30 yards out or so in that little hole. And he does score a lot of his goals from the left-hand side, but he's not a left winger or a left inside forward. He's much better from those central areas where he can roam a little bit more and be a, the creative force he is. But I I agree with the defence as well, Pete. I think uh, the the telling one really for me was that Levin Kozawa came off. Uh, he Yes, he picked up an early booking and he's already at a risk being a, being a full-back, but... To be brought off for another fullback in this game just screams to me that this is the problem position for for Unai Emery at the moment. He can't quite decide whether Yuri's the right man for it yet. He's not completely sold on him. I'm not either. I think he's a good player, but he's good going forward. I'm still not in a similar way to Kozawa. I'm not convinced of him going backwards, but it's quite a funny substitution yeah. when that happens because it, it does keep happening. We get Kazawa for Yuri and. Like last night, you get Kazawa looks completely dejected, and Yuri himself almost looks embarrassed to be coming on. He sort of like hunches over, just smart, like you know, head forward, not really. <laughs> he doesn't strike you as a player saying, "Yeah, I'm going to steal the place." He just sort of like meeps on, and then <laughs> the two yeah. of them just intertwine them. It's it's so strange, and it's the fact that it's their first substitution as well. That's on 69 minutes is to bring on Yuri. <laughs> it seems ever so odd that a team that's winning games decides because because sometimes okay if they're bringing off a say a forward for a defender, fair enough. But bringing a left back off for another left back just screams like that you're just not decided on what you need to do in that position, and that's maybe where he needs to focus in the next couple of weeks. Give Yuri a few more games. I mean. They've got the ideal opportunity against obviously Bayern Munich in the Champions League in a football in a couple of weeks, obviously, because they've they've qualified and they're definitely top of the group. It gives them a bit of a chance to maybe give some of these French players like Lo Celso and, and oh, less of a fringe, but Kim Pembe a, a chance, maybe even Trap to give him some confidence. I think that's where they're heading. But but Monaco obviously fell out of Europe in midweek, uh, Peter. And their their season so far, especially in this this first half, has really started petering away <laughs> if excuse my turn of phrase um what do you think needs to happen in this sort of next couple of months i mean i'm looking at their fixtures ahead they've got Nantes, they've got angers trois Caen, saint etienne and Rennes up to the the winter window they're all completely winnable games it, although obviously connor in the in the round of 16 in the coupe de la league as well do they need to sort of find what their formation is and, and really head into that second half of the season as the goal of being at the moment, at least from the, the looks of things, fighting for that second position and that automatic Champions League spot. Yeah, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head, really. It's definitely finding out what they want to be. It, this season has felt uh, very much like transition. 
And we've seen that with the rotation that, that Jardim has done all season long. Um, and at the moment, they, they haven't found it. I think, I think the way they set up against PSG was more of a contingency than something that they would look to progress going forward. I don't think Jardim is completely set on being as defensive as that, as much as Liga is, is famed for uh, its excellent defensive displays. Um, it's, it's difficult because you, you've got a number of... You, you don't know who his first eleven really is yet. You've got a number of talented players in that squad. I think um, Keita Balde has begun to impress quite, quite a lot. Um, he seems to be adapting to Jardim's use of him as a forward, as well as in wide areas. Uh, I think that he's been one bonus, I think, of late. And I think with more games and a more settled setup, you know, we, we could see even more from him going forward. I think Falcao, as, as you mentioned earlier, just needs to get back into the habit of scoring goals. But it, it would help if they had a setup and knew how they were playing. Last season, of course, it was we knew exactly how they were setting up most weeks. A 4-4-2, we knew who was going to play. And if one was missing, you know who would, could, would slip in. At the moment, it's completely... Uh, up in the air almost. Um, you've had Ronnie Lopez coming on the right. He's done well. I think he's done well, but he needs time again to to really establish himself. He, he's not the same player as Bernardo Silva, so that means it's a completely different setup for how Monaco wants to play. I'm still waiting to see more from Tom Lamar. Obviously, it's a shame he's in, he's unavailable at the moment. I'm not sure how long he's out for, but once they get him back, and what, I want to see more from him. I think uh, I said that a few weeks ago. Um, it doesn't seem like it's in his, it's his nature to, to grab games by the scrub of the neck. Well, they did do well in that, that game against the Netherlands for France. So th I think he's definitely got it in him. Really be a key player in, in helping to force Jardim to, to set up in a certain way and build players around him, for example. Um, but at the moment, as you said, it's just not certain. I think in the next few months going forward, Jardim's going to be looking at areas he may need to improve on. And I think defence has become something that he does need to work on. I think in the preview show, I think it was Eric who made some good points about how uh, we weren't really used to, uh, the Monaco never really were tested defensively. They were always playing in the opposition half. And I think that's very, very true. And we're now we're seeing Jemison come under a lot of fire. I think he's, you know, he's only, had, he's only in a bad run of form. And I think um, a few good games will, will, will bring him back. I don't think he's a washed out player by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, mm. But I think uh, Raji is backup. I, I'm, I question it now, especially at the level they want to be at. I think he's a good uh, utility player in, in your average league on game. But uh, evidently, it, it, he's not as reliable an option as they would probably like. You'd probably want a younger model in there to someone to develop. I mean, when Glick went down, your heart was in your mouth, wasn't it? Because if he goes off, anything could have happened. Um, yeah, I, I think I brought it up on the preview show as well, is they don't have anyone past those three, that was even more surprising probably, is that after those three, they, they don't have, a, I don't think they have a recognisable centre-back really who's played, or if there's one maybe in the youth team, they don't. I don't think they have anyone. That's probably where they're going to look in January, maybe at your Issa Diops maybe, or, or Yoris Nenyon, that kind of player. They're the kind of players they love to sign. That's maybe where they're going to, the eye in that January transfer window, or if they wait long enough obviously the summer but they they desperately need cover there and I think we can't really understate the the missing of Bernardo Silva he did sort of make the team tick at times even if he didn't have the assist he had the kind of hockey assist of uh, passing the ball to the player who made the assist in the end they, they're really missing that creativity because out wide at the moment Ronnie Lopez has had his moments but 
I mentioned, we've mentioned that he, he prefers to get in behind where he can rather than create in front of them that Bernardo did. He's such a difficult player to replace though and such a individualistic talent. I mean, I know he's not necessarily starting for City at the moment, but they'll love him very, very soon when once um, when it, when David Silva maybe slows down. It seems like it's never going to be never going to happen. But he's he's the perfect player like that, and they Monica really do miss him. Uh, moving on to the team that went above them at the weekend, and that's Leon, who smashed five past Nice at the uh, Alliance Riviera at the weekend. Peter, they were in really excellent form. Fakir dropped out just before kickoff with a with an illness, and Cornet came in, and it, it made no difference really. They they were still as vibrant as attacking, even without Traore as well. They were just as good as they have been all season. Yeah, you're being really kind starting on Leon because <laughs> they're in for a we'll, Yeah, we'll we'll save that for a little <laughs> bit of time. That's all right. No, um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the key question coming in was when when Fakir dropped out with illness just before the game. You're questioning again. You know, one of the things we we've leveled at them is you know they're a little bit too reliant on on Fakir. Is there the man to get things out of uh, a hole? He's the man they turn to. He's the man they sort of play through. But they they showed that they've got uh, bundles of options and talent. Um, I was very impressed with Cornet, which is uh, surprising considering how poor he was last time out and, and how underwhelming he has been. And it was an option that's been relatively dismissed, I think, uh, comparatively to the, to the front four, which was obviously Bertrand Traore, Depay, Diaz and, and, and Fakir. But he was excellent and helped a lot by uh, Jale being um, exposed, I will say kindly. Um, and, you know, the, the, Leon, were, Leon were ruthless. Uh, they, I didn't feel that they totally dominated the game, which sounds a bit silly considering the scoreline, but they, they were just, they picked them off at every opportunity. Every mistake was punished. Um, Memphis Depay, of course, has, has come on leaps and bounds since, uh, well, since, since he's joined Leon in, in recent times. That decision by Genesio to drop him uh, for the Dijon game clearly has sparked new life into him. He's added a lot of goals to his game. That's 10 now, I think, since, since that moment. And he's proving his worth. You've got Diaz still scoring. Um, you've got Awa coming into midfield and, and showing maturity beyond his, his year. One of the stats that was reeled out was that there's only 57 league appearances between the midfield three. And the midfield three is two teenagers and a 20-year-old. And Toussaint and Dembele and, and, and Awa, which is which is extraordinary. And they made Nice's equivalent, if that's what, if that's what they're worthy of being called, uh, look, look totally abject, which they were. Um, another uh, uh, bright side for them is, is the clean sheet. I mean, they weren't really pushed, but obviously Jeremy Morel was absent. You're, you do wonder whether, in the absence of one of them, uh, the Diakabi can come in and, and, and do a good enough job. Seems very competent. Uh, they won't be tested next time out. I think they've got Lille next. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah Lille at home. Well, that's three points. Um, but no, I was really, really impressed with with Leon, and it, they there's some fantastic stats about them since uh, since the victory over Monaco. I, I retweeted one, and it said they haven't conceded. They've conceded one goal since then, and that was against Everton. Mm. That's about yeah. I think it's 13 games or something. That's not many as that, but it's, uh, it's it, so they currently got seven clean sheets in a row in all competitions. Seven, yeah. It's just not bad at all, especially when you look at how many they've scored past teams. I mean, five past Trois, two past Mets, 
three past Everton, five past Saint-Étienne. Obviously, the goalless draw at Montpellier, but four past Apollon Limassol in midweek, and then another five against Nice. It's it's free flowing. It's it, 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 it's it's excellent to watch them really at, at times when they they get under under people's skin. And there was two terrific stats I saw at the weekend. The the first one, which is the eye catching one for a lot of people, is uh, that the the trio for Lyon of Memphis Depay, Fekir, and uh, and Mariano Diaz have scored more goals than Neymar, Cavani and Mbappe. Whether you'd said that at the start of the season, I, I don't think you would have, which is a really impressive stat for the, how they've pulled on and, and especially Depay. I mean, I think me and you both, Peter, are probably owing him an apology. I think he's he's definitely pulled it pulled it around. Translation is blocking out the haters, isn't it? With yeah, yeah. <laughs> blocking it's, us out. I don't think he listens to us. Oh yeah, I, I, I think sometimes there's nothing better than eating your own words in football. And I think it's fantastic <laughs> actually doing a lot better because he is a talented footballer and he's showing exactly that uh, what he can do. But my favourite stat really is um, uh, Sam Ty of the the Bleacher Report pointed this out as well when they finished the game with six players aged 21 or under on the pitch. That's Guiri from the Youth Academy, Maulida from the Youth Academy, Corne, Youth Academy, and Dombele, 20, but he was brought in from Angers in, in the summer, Awa Academy, and uh, Diakabe Academy. That's impressive, and it's showing again. Not all teams have this kind of wealth, do they, Peter? And it, you can't really say you should copy the Leon model of, of bringing young players through a, like in this sort of caliber, because obviously Leon have the resources and and the pull and the the uh, all the um, f- facilities and, and excellent coaches to bring these players through. But is fantastic to see it in, especially in this modern day and age of of teams spending a load of money for a, for a team that high up playing that well playing five academy graduates, isn't it? Would you say that they're the moniker of this season? I feel like they are quite comfortably. A- have been this the second best team in Liga. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think I mentioned that as well at this time last year that Monaco were the best time, side to see in Europe. I think Leon might be closing in on that. I mean, there is a few really good teams in Europe. In all honesty, for competition this season, you know, you look at Napoli, you look at um, Valencia have been excellent this season from and Guedes as well, which is a strange one to think for us French football fans. But Leon, especially, and if you're watching a. If you spot them on on TV, do give them a watch because they do play that brand of exciting attacking football that we love to see. It reminds me a little bit of of a, of a Dortmund under Klopp. It has that free flowing attacking football, players playing where they want to play, but they have an unbelievable defensive solidity to go with it. Now I know it's sometimes because they're blowing away teams, and but you would argue possibly that what you've seen this season from Monaco shows that. Maybe them last season scoring so many goals against other teams helped their defence so much more. Um, they've been absolutely terrific to watch at times, and it, long may it continue if they they're going to play that way. But let's. I think just before we, before we yeah, move go on, ahead, I, go ahead. I do I do think we've we've got to give credit to Bruno Genesio because I mean he does he has a lot of detractors, um, but I think the defensive solidity is is a real case in point because it was a real issue. They were conceding a lot of goals. I mean, but there's three three three. Three free free draws this season, um, and after the the draw against Dijon, they've 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 tucked themselves back in again, shut the door, and, and they haven't conceded in so long. And he's getting the best out of players like Depay, and he's allowing these players to express themselves because, as you're saying, it is free flowing. It is very very natural, if that's the word to use, and the way they go forward. You feel like when they go forward, they're going to create opportunities and they're going to score. Um, 
And I think that does come down to the coach and the way he, he, he is managing the players at his disposal and bringing through the young talent and trusting them. I've just seen the acronym for for Depay and uh, Diaz and Fakir on, on Ligon's website and I don't really... I, do not call them NDF. Uh, that just <laughs> not the kind of nickname for any kind of fo- footballing dynamic from trio, I think. Uh, let's leave that one to the side. Never call that that one again. Um, but let's... Yeah, I think it's time to talk about the team that... Re- they were awful, really, at the weekend, Nice, weren't they? Yeah, it was it was really, really poor. And it's not something we're really used to with a, a Lucian Favre team that's usually so tactically drilled. Um, where do we start? Okay. Well, I, th- I think as the game progressed and you're seeing the score tick over quite considerably and, and defensively, they were just awfully exposed. Y- your focus is on that back line and we, we, we can just, just dismantle it, really. Dante was awful. Um, last season, he was very, very good part of a really strong uh, unit defensively, providing that solidity and, and leadership, especially for, for Nice to go on and, and, and surprisingly challenge for the title. He looks a world away from that. And he looked a world away from that against Leon. He's, he's making mistakes. He's making poor decisions. The first goal, he's tried to flick the ball over a, a, a Leon midfielder in the center circle. He loses out, tries to fake a foul, which is just nowhere near a foul. Leon go down the other end and score. Not helped by the fact that in this 5-3-2 that they also set up, similar to, to Monaco, you had, it seemed like we had players who were not used to that at all. Um, Jale struggled at left back. He was exposed by Corne. Jale's had to play there because of, well, they haven't really replaced, um, oh, his name's Dalbert, yes, on the left side. Um, and Suke on the right was doing, was doing a George in terms of he was far too far, um, far too far forward. Uh, <laughs> I wanted better expressing myself. Um, and defensively, they seemed all over the place. I think the only one who I thought did okay was was Le Marchand. I thought he was all right. I mean, yeah, I'm clutching at straws a little bit. I thought he was okay. Um, Marlon, of course, got sent off. Couldn't really argue with the two yellows. Um, he looked all over the place in terms of his shape and positioning. So that, that's a bad start to go with, and you can't really even look at Benitez. But Cardinal, of course, has come under a lot of criticism, but defensively, I, I, you can't really criticise Benitez at all in goal. But after you've taken that aside and you just see the way they were left exposed by the midfield, it, it was embarrassing. I mean, I don't know what has happened to Jean, Jean Seri. He was... Uh, it was abysmal. Um, I, I, he kept giving the ball away. Uh, he was unable to affect the game, had no influence whatsoever. He was outrun, he was outplayed by, by Awa and, and Tusa and Ndombele. He was youngsters, not as experienced as he is. And he wasn't alone. Can't, I can't single him out on his own. I think Nampolis Mendy was, well, he, he was equally poor. I, I find it based on that display, of course, before that, when he was the season before last, he was excellent. Um, but it's, it's, it's almost laughable to see that Leicester saw it saw him as a, a Kante replacement. He offered nothing. There was no physicality, no ball retention. I think the two of them gave the ball away so many times. They may as well have been playing for Leon. Um, I don't know what you think has happened to Seri, but he has not been the same player since, since the transfer window. His head's turned, hasn't it? I, I think he was desperate to go to Barcelona. And and at the same time, who can blame any player for, for that kind of thing? I mean, when you get an interest from a club like that, it, it does turn your head. Um, and at the time, he'd earned it. Whether he'd be there now, 
uh, you can't be so certain unless it was as possibly a, a, not a permanent replacement at least, but as as a as an option to to change with a Iniesta who is currently injured. That would have been the ideal time for him. Really, I I think he's done in Nice. I think he's already sold out and 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 has stopped there. But they they were really awful. I mean, you've mentioned the midfield was bad. I don't get any of that combination really. They they tried to play Seri deeper and it doesn't work. They had Napoli's Mendy sort of play. Tameze, bless it, he's, he's a young lad. He, he didn't really do much, to be fair. He, he couldn't really get himself into the game. Why you don't try someone a bit more experienced like Valter or, or Cazzello? Quite weird at half time. I don't know if I just misheard him or missed, like, translated what he said in the, you know, the half time interview. I'm, just, mm. I'm sure he said uh, the coach wants us to do something and we don't really know. He said something along those lines as if it was a, mm. as if I, I don't really know what we're doing. And I, I, <laughs> of course, I was like, that's really, really concerning. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, looked I, like yeah, it. It looked like they were. <laughs> if that was the instruction, they followed it to a T because <laughs> they did. A, they did absolutely nothing. I mean, and I do want to single out the defenders as well. I, I thought the defense was uh, an embarrassment and a and a how they're professional footballers for one thing. It starts to worry. Them. I mean, I mean, we've mentioned you've mentioned the fullbacks. They were way too to advance both of them. And, and for one thing, Jale should know better. Even if he is playing left back, he was exposed for both the first two goals that that made really made the headway. And then, like you mentioned, that I think the one that really st- stuck in the nerves really was that fourth goal. I mean, it sort of Seri loses it in the middle of the field. He's not really bothered about trying to win it back. Dante wiggles a leg at it. He's not really bothered about putting a proper challenge in. Marlon sort of thinks about doing something, but it teases a toe at it. He's not really bothered, and it goes in the bottom corner. And that's just exactly the attitude we're seeing from Nice at the moment at times. It's just, it's not me. It's it's not my responsibility. No one wants to take that mantle at the moment. Not Dante, not, not any of these players. All these experienced players, and it, it just screams of they've all sold out. And I, I, in all honesty, I, I feel sorry for Lucian Favre in a way. He His tactics and bits have, have played a part in this, but I don't know if that mentioning of him going to Dortmund at the summer has maybe turned those players, not against him in a way, but they've sort of thought, well, maybe he's not going to be here long. There's still rumours now that with Peter Bosch struggling at, uh, at the German club that they might still head in for Favre, which is crazy to think of with where Nice are at the moment. But too many of these players are, are playing for themselves at the moment. They're not thinking about the team. They, they've really, really struggled. I mean, looking at the last month or so, they've they lost every game in October. They were awful. And the games they've won in November is a 1-0 win at home to Dijon, which there was a they were a bit lucky really in all honesty to win. And then the the game against Sultavar again, which is you know they're not doing so great in, in Belgium at the moment. But they have a lot of big fixtures coming up, especially in the next two weeks. They've got Toulouse away who are playing awful. Mets who are a league dirty side. If they if they stay up, it's a miracle. Nice have to absolutely hammer both of them, really, to to start doing something because they do have a run of results heading to the last, well, into the winter break. Not Bordeaux and Lille that aren't going to be too taxing in any kind of way. They're not facing any of the big sides, but they need to start picking up points and and doing something positive. They, oh, I just feel like there'll be big change in in the summer as well of this club. I, I think a lot of players will go. Um, Seri, I think Balotelli's probably going to leave in the end. I think a player might look for somewhere else. I think some of the players they've brought in recently, like like Wesley Schneider and 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 others, will will think not really bothered. But 
it feels strange to feel that they they obviously finished in the Champions League places, but it feels like, and I know I've, I've bagged on him quite a bit this season, but it feels like Pierre-Lise Melou is their level now, um, which is a bit sad, really. Um, it, it's true, to be fair. And I think one of the issues has been that a number of sides in Liga over the summer had to undergo transformations, and it does seem like that Nice just haven't transformed well enough. They just haven't invested. I think Balotelli has actually been probably the best player. I've been quite <laughs> quite impressed with him this season, and I'm, I'm surprised he's keeping his head in games. To be honest, I think he was. I don't think he had a bad game necessarily against Lyon. You can tell that he was getting frustrated by smashing it from every angle and every ridiculous possibility he could. But that's the only thing Lyon <laughs> Nice looked like they were capable of doing. So I wouldn't be surprised if he took off. Yeah, I, I felt sorry for him in this one. He got zero of the ball. I mean, he tried to do something. I mean, people complain that he sort of stands there and does nothing. He tried to do something in this game, but Nice weren't having any of it more than anyone else. Um, but let's stop banging on them and let's head in and dip into our Ligue 1 grab bag because there's a, there's a few teams I really want to talk about this, this week who have interesting storylines or have had really interesting weeks that we've not really touched upon so far this season. But we do start with a team that we've touched on quite a bit. Um, and that's Lille because the, the situation developing there is is one of great interest, obviously, with Marcelo Bielsa. He sat in a cafe and watched uh, watched the game at the weekend where they lost 3-0. He's on what is believed in definite leave, essentially, but he's supposedly bringing a case to the LFP, um, preempting wrongful termination, which suggests that the sacking of El Loco is pretty imminent, if not already happened, but just not fully released to the public. It's a bit of a shambles, really, in the end, isn't it, Peter? I mean, we talked about it on the preview show a little bit around the the, uh, the reports from Spain about him heading to Chile and the French media saying they were unfounded and, and, and the like and the, the problems with, uh, with the backroom staff and the, and the players not believing in his formation and playing players out of position. Uh, it's just a shambles, isn't it? Yeah, he never goes quietly, does he? Um, no, it's not pretty at all. And the, the latest development is, is slightly concerning, I think, for stability for the club. I think you, we, we want, um, from their perspective, we don't want their season to completely fall off a cliff if it hasn't already. I mean, it's on its way down, but there's still time to repre- uh, retrieve it. Um, it. I don't know what the, the situation is with him now. It's, it seems like he has now gone permanently. Uh, well, I don't know. Who knows? Um, my issue with the whole thing is, is timing a little bit. I mean, they showed showed him enough support to get to this stage, to a stage where they played against Marseille and played really well. I, I was impressed with them. I thought they were the better side. Um, a little bit wasteful in front of goal. Perhaps that comes when you're under, under pressure at that end of the table. Uh, and then Marseille punished them and nicked two goals, which they didn't really deserve. Following week, they go and beat Mets, less less deserved. And, and the week after that, they, they well, after the international break, they, they beat San Etienne. And then, obviously, they lost to Amiens, and then it's, it's all fallen apart again. I feel like if, they, if the question over Bielsa was, you know, we, we, we need to move him on, this should have been done earlier. Of course, it doesn't take into consideration the fact that he's rumoured to want his 12.5 million euros in a in a sell-on, uh, not sell-on, in a release clause, which is uh, not a small amount of money uh, by, by any stretch of the imagination, especially when you, apparently you're selling Nicola de Prevo for money, which is just laughable. I, I really doubt that that was the case. That must have been just a decision from Bielsa. Um, but no, my, my issue is timing to an extent, but 
problem now for Lille is, of course, their whole project was was built around Bielsa. Um, he was the the marquee, the, the the basis from which they wanted to develop this brand of football. Of course, Bielsa is so highly revered in, if you want to call it intellectual football terms, in terms of the those who have been influenced by him. You're looking at Pochettino, you're looking at Guardiola, of course, San Paoli, and, and a whole list of them take inspiration from Bielsa. But of course, Bielsa's ability as a coach is is nowhere near as successful as any of those who have followed in his footsteps. Uh, and I, again, we've seen that. It seems like he's come in as a whirlwind of change and has just knocked everyone off their feet and, and the club's just fallen apart. It's, I feel sorry for the, the four who've come in. They've got a real challenge to pick up players who are generally quite young there is probably limited, especially against well, the Montpellier game we saw it, there was limited squad chemistry. They've got to pick them up, bring them together cohesively and somehow stop them conceding goals, which just seems impossible. Yeah, I think I, I talked enough about Marcello Bielsa probably being a, a bit of a, a dinosaur in football last week to upset every single football his, his, hipster in, the, in earshot. But yeah, <laughs> he, like you mentioned, um, the weird situation at the moment of having four assistant managers essentially at the moment in Diego Reyes, uh, Pablo Quigora, um, Diego Flores and João Sacramento as well. Um, it's it's a strange, strange situation that they're left with the sort of with the pieces. But at the same time, they're probably on edge because if, if they're all coaches that obviously... Bielsa came in with, they'll probably go. There was questions as well about Gerard Lopez as well. Has he got really the finances he's suggesting um, in some French sources, well, f some sectors of the French media, they're worried about that, especially if they maybe get relegated. Is that maybe a worry for them? Does he have a, a way out of that? The deal is really, really murky there. And the hope is that um, they get something sorted because they, they were starting to get something on the pitch, but... At the same time, you think if there's, there's players discontent, that's the sort of the final drawing line. We've mentioned the fact that Thiago Maia's played as a left-back this season and he's he's a useless left-back. I mean, the only things he's done is be sent off and he's given away two penalties. That's not <laughs> exactly what you want for the resume of your left-back, really. And uh, they've they've just looked awful. For, and they, like I said, they, they had those bright spots, didn't they? After that Marseille game, they had two wins. They looked, OK, maybe they're back on the horse, but then... That that loss to Amiens was was pretty brutal, really. Even though I sort of excuse it in a way because flipping from a Friday to a Monday, even though Amiens did it as well, it, it is difficult for any team to sort of rejig up. And they were really bad against Montpellier. I mean, Montpellier were really good, to be fair, and, and we'll come on to them a little bit later. But uh, Lille just just didn't have any verve about them anymore. They just don't have they they shifted too many of those experiences head out heads out for me. They they went too much in the in the, the other direction. You know, when Monaco did a similar thing, they kept players like Moutinho and, and Carvalho for the longest time and and players like that. And Raji has been there for the longest time. Those kind of experienced players keep you on an even keel. Lille having none of those have, have maybe knocked them off kilter a bit. I mean why they I get Mavuba's maybe not quite the player he was but he would have been much better than some of the players in that central midfield it just didn't make any sense really basher as well although he can be a bit rash he's he was a decent centre-back especially when you look at how Edgar Ayes played this season at least anyway but um, I think the saving yeah. grace for them is, is probably that they have got as much as they have cast aside the, these experienced players and got rid of some I mean we'll talk about Dijon in a minute and, and Shekhar's playing really really well and you just think well 
why is he not playing for them? And then obviously we mentioned Depravel before, and you think, what's going on there? So there have been some questionable decisions, but at the same time, the only the reprieve, if you if you want to offer one to to Lille supporters, is that there is a basis of talent there. The, these players that they have brought in do show glimpses of ability. I mean, Edgar Ie has been poor, but at times he he has shown himself to be a con. Like, he, I mean, for, for in the under twenty ones tournament, he was he was he was excellent uh, over the summer, and I think he's a player with talent. I think Luis Araujo is a player with talent. Meyer, when he plays in the right position, has got talent. Thiago Mendes as well. So th th there is a squad there of ability. It's it's a question of whether someone can come in and save the sinking ship. But it it does seem desperate times. And but they're not cut adrift either. That's the other thing. It's it's all bunched up quite nicely. So if they can sort out this this Bielsa mess, which I just just because it's Bielsa, it's you just don't know what's going to happen now. I mean. <laughs> He could drag on for weeks, and if they have to pay out, that could then affect them adversely, and then you'll get the comments saying we have to sell players, and then suddenly you really are staring relegation down the barrel. But there is there is some hope if they can, if Gerard Lopez can sort it out, but it doesn't look promising at the moment, that's for sure. No, it's a worry. But on, on to a team that have turned things around recently, and that is is the team you mentioned then in Dijon with, with four wins in their last five, and they've really come on strong. I mean, some people would argue they've wins against Troyes and, and Toulouse who are struggling and, and Mets, but their games, they need to be winning. They they were a little bit unlucky in that middle game of, as well against Nice where they, they lost 1-0. They did reasonably well against a Nantes side that were, that were running, well, were on about a seven or eight game streak of not winning, not losing as well themselves. And We mentioned it briefly on the, on the preview show as well, obviously going through their game before the weekend, but they went on and <laughs> performed excellently in that game. They they have a really interesting team that are starting to play football and for the side down near the bottom, you don't really expect this as much, but they play attacking style and they want to score goals and they want to entertain. It, it's a really good thing to see, isn't it? Yeah, they, they do stand out, especially uh, in a division that is famed more for its defensive solidity than it is for... It's attacking football, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way by, by any stretch of the imagination, but when you look at the sides who are down there, it is more a case of, of, of keeping them out than, than scoring goals. And, and Dijon are, are an attractive side to watch. Um, they're scoring a lot of goals. I think, uh, I think they've, you have to go as high as Marseille, I think that's right, for, to see who scored more than them this season, which is, which is, no, which is no mean feat. Marseille are fourth in, in chasing that Champions, uh, Champions League spot. Um, and they've got some. They, they play in a really proactive way, in a way that I don't think many of us expected either. Um, especially considering their their, their summer business, there was sort of that emphasis on defence. And, and last season, of course, they did play in an attractive way. Um, you, you began to worry after obviously Lois Gioni and, and, and Lise Mello both both departed. Uh, but it, it feels like they've got a really nice unit going forward. Um, as I said before about Shekhar, I think he's done really well. He scored again and. What I like to see, well, I mean, it was when I when I see Dijon, I haven't seen them as much as I, pro I probably should have. But what I do like to see with them is is the runners they have from midfield. It's it's not a question of we're looking to snatch a goal or we'll, we'll, they are whenever they go forward, they go forward in numbers. You've got Kwan and Sheka, both of them going beyond Tavares into the penalty area, giving them options. I think Wesley Saeed has looked very very good. Maybe he's finally found somewhere to call a home. Samaritano's done okay as well. He's, he's pushed on. and They do have that solidity behind them. Um, obviously, Baptiste Rene and goal, and Gilabodji's come in and done all right. I mean, he gave away a penalty but uh, against Toulouse. Um, but 
I when I when when that's the thing that, that stands out, and I think Olivier Delalio has done a really really good job with with Dijon to to not only make them a, an attractive side, but to score goals and win games. Um, and that that was the problem from the start of the season. But now that they've pushed up into twelfth, uh, they're scoring goals, playing attractive football, and you know it's not a bad time to be a Dijon supporter when you're going down and seeing your team outplay a number of sides and are willing to look for goals. Quan um, especially has been has been excellent. Yeah, I think a couple of things really. Olivier Dallalio is probably underrated in the job he's done at Dijon. I mean, he got them up, he kept them up as well by playing an attacking Brenda. It did help have players like Dioni scoring the goals as well, but Tavares did chip in. But it, it's the unit that they have, like you say, the unity between the players, like Sleety and Jekka, who came from Lille, they've both been really good. And, and we thought at the time that they seemed like surprising deals. They've made a difference. Um, th then you meant like Tavares is still scoring goals. Saeed is contributing. But the player you mentioned at the very end, uh, I really like Chang Hung Kwan. I think he's an excellent little player. Um, he seems to get, he's got a great energy to him. He's getting into the box when they need him as well. And, and adding to attacks, he's scoring goals, he's creating goals. He's a little bit of a live wire at the moment. I mean, he scored four goals and two assists so far this season and in 12 games, 11 starts, which is which is great stats to see. But especially in his last couple of games, I mean, he scored against twice, scored against Toulouse. He, he's been creating in those games as well. He had an assist against the Trois game. The one before for Sleety's goal, he, he assisted against Mets as well. He's really in a nice vein of form and, and those kind of players is exactly what what Dijon want, people who work hard, people who put the effort in and, and also contribute to both phases of the game where they can. That's exactly the kind of player you need when you're playing at the bottom of the table. And he seems like an ideal signing for that kind of club. And, and they're on the rise again. I mean, you, I mentioned on Thursday as well that they have a really nice run of games coming up, really, uh, heading into the winter break. I mean, they've got Amiens, on, on the midweek fixtures, which is an interesting one because they're on the they're playing nice football at the moment as well. That might quite be a quite entertaining game. They've got Bordeaux who are struggling, Gangomp who are struggling, Lille who are struggling, and Angers who are struggling. That's you could argue there could be possibly even fifteen points. If you've got fifteen points there, you could argue that they could quite easily get twelve from that if they play the way they're playing at the moment, and that would be a massive lift for them. Heading into the winter break, they could possibly be very comfortably outside the relegation zone. And it, it would not be any kind of surprise at the moment. But a team I did mention in that run who are struggling at the moment. I mean, we've always praised them so far this season, Angers, really. But the draws are starting to catch up with them in the last couple of weeks. Um, looking back, sort of October was where they we thought they started turning it around when they when they beat Colm, they finally sort of broke their draw ducts, but then they went to lose to Toulouse. They then drew with Strasbourg. That 5-0 defeat at Paris Saint-Germain seemed to knock them again because they drew it on. Uh, Gangomp, they lost at Troyes, which pushed them very close to the drop zone. All the results have really kept them away with, obviously, like the likes of Nice losing. But it, what's going wrong, really, Peter? Is this side just not quite finding the right mix of the players they've got? Are they maybe losing some of that defensive solidity with the players they've brought in? Are they sort of finding their way into the season? Because it's only going to get harder from here on in. Yeah, I think it will only get harder from here on in. Um, you're right about the draws. They just seem to have stacked them up. And it seemed. I think the reason we were praising them is because they would go for such an extended period unbeaten. Um, 
The problem is they've only won twice this season, which is only one more than, than Mets, and that's the second worst in division, and that they're slowly sliding down the table. I think what's gone wrong is in, it, they're unable to see out games is, is part of the issue. I mean, going forward, they, they have got plenty of options. I think Toko Kambi has been excellent. Um, we talked about him at the start of the season uh, as being one to watch because he, he, was, he was good last year, and I think he's pushed on again. And you can see why uh, clubs were showing interest in, in, in him. Uh, I think it was Brighton, I think, we were interested in. Yes, yeah, it was. Um, and that deal fell through. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they came back for him because he has been a, a standout player for them. Um, but again, it's, it's that the thing with draws are that they can often be uh, a red herring in that you draw a number of games in a row and you're thinking, OK, we've got a number of games unbeaten. Um, then you lose one and suddenly it flips on its head and, and you're... Um, excuse me, you're... you're um, Oh, something in my throat there. Um, <laughs> suddenly, suddenly you're in a bad run of form. Um, when I've seen them, it's that's they they want to play football. They like to play going forward. I remember uh, against PSG, they took the game to them and got punished. When they played Lille, they were all over them, created chance after chance. They scored. They took the lead, uh, and then they threw it away. They they allowed them back into the game. Of course, it was a, a fantastic strike from Depravel, but they didn't see the game out. At no stage in that game against Lille did they look like um, they, they were going to drop points. And their home form has been wretched. I don't think they've won at home in the league this season. Um, and Trois was actually their first defeat on the road. So <laughs> they've got this really weird balance. And getting their form right at home um, is, is key to any side wanting to stay up. So changing things at the Stadrome on Coppa would, would certainly help matters. But I think it's that sense of just being unable to see out games. I think they came back to, to draw with, with Leon after that controversial red card. So they have got that in them to, to, to fight to win games, or at least to pull themselves back into it. And that's why we probably praise them so much, is that when they do go forward, when they do create opportunities, they do well, and they do, they do have that attacking arsenal. I don't think Crivelli is a bad player at all. I think he, he does have goals in him, but they need more from him. And I think defensively, they need, they, they, they've got to see out games. And that's all about match control. And if you don't have that, it can punish you. And once you start to slip, once you start losing, confidence can go. I mean, the next three games, they've got Rennes, then they travel to Monaco, and then Montpellier. I don't think they're winnable games, necessarily. Rennes seem to finally be, I think they'll take a huge boost from the, the win against Nantes. Um, they don't win at home, Angers, so that's why it goes against them. They want to take points from that. And then Monaco obviously in a rough patch of form, but they're a very good side. And Montpellier don't concede goals. So they are three tough games, um, and they do need to start winning um, as much as they've drawn. I mean, they've only lost four times. Mm. You have to go right up the table to, 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 to Montpellier, actually, before you see a side that has lost as few. Um, but they've got to turn these draws into wins, and they've got to learn. They've got, it's, it's match control. It's, that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... I mean... That's when these, like I say, these draws start start catching up on you. It can start becoming a real pain. I mean, I, I just feel as well that Stefan Moulin's not really worked out what his best side is to create wins. I mean, at the weekend, he brought Fulgini on, who I think's had a half-decent start to the season. It was nice to see Keo Fonfon back on the field after after 15 months out. I, I read that the other day. I, I still can't believe that it's been that right. long since we've seen him, but great to see him back on the field and yes of course it's the best name in in French football um but he's fantastic to see him back on the field and yeah you sort of like I say they had Ishmael Ishmael Troy on the bench they had uh, 
I tried to bring on Guillaume as well. I've never really been sold by. He doesn't really add an enormous amount that Crivelli couldn't have done himself. They they're just stuck in a rut. And like you say, that that next run of games. I mean, they've got Rennes and Monaco next, which isn't ideal. And Montpellier as well, who is the, the team we'll talk about next. But the, it's really tough sort of moment for them. But the side that's certainly not having a tough moment really is is Montpellier, who we've mentioned a few times this season for the fantastic, oddly enough to say, draws with, with Paris Saint-Germain and Monaco and, and Lyon holding them to a goal each. And they have the best defensive record now in in. Liga, which is mightily impressive. I mean, eight goals all season. Although people would argue that twelve goals the other end does uh, maybe dilute that a little. But they're on a nice run of the last of the last sort of month or so. Going back really just before that Paris Saint Germain game in, in against Twy in week six, they won. They've claimed two draws against the top two. After that, they beat Nice. They beat Saint Etienne. There's a loss in against uh, Ren in there, but they draw with Amiens, they draw with Lyon, and then they put three past a hapless Lille at the weekend. And played some really nice football in this one for what seemed like the first time in a long while, but they just look like they're starting to build on that solidity now with the likes of Roussillon and, and I know Paul Lann and, and Sleety as well is a good player that they've really leaned on as well. They're starting to finally really be a, an interesting unit and with Ninga coming back as well scoring at the weekend Giovanni Cio scoring and creating a, a goal as well he finds a f- home <laughs> Sessegnon is playing good football again as well they're a really interesting side again yeah no they are it is, it is astounding that they're, they're only three points off fifth and they've got Giovanni Cio up front yeah. it's even more astounding than they're getting goals from him um, but no you're absolutely right it's, it's, the, it's the points they've taken off the big teams that is the most striking statistic as you mentioned, them, it was PSG, Nice, Sanity, and Monaco, Lyon. All of them have dropped points against Montpellier. And that shouldn't be sniffed at. And I know you're a huge fan of defending, Nathan, so they must be up there with one of your favourite teams at the moment. Um, but it is really, really impressive to only concede eight times this season. Um, for a side that I don't think... I mean, Dizakarian uh, is known for his defensive setups, but he seems to have got it very, very right here. And you're looking at a defence that is led by... Uh, uh, is it, Helton, yeah, isn't Vitorino. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he is beyond over the hill, yeah. but he is he's leading by example. And the standout player at the moment is, is Roussillon, at fullback. He was excellent against Leo again. Um, he got a goal, which is unusual for him, but rampaging down that right hand side, causing all sorts of problems. I mean, Leo were a shambles defensively, but that said, um, going forward, they look to fret, and that that's very positive going forward. If you're going to add goals to the the absolute multitude of clear sheets that they've collected and stuck on the shelf, mm, yeah. um, and you wonder how far they can go this season. Yeah, I, I think Roussillon's been one of the best players of the season so far. He's been excellent, really, in, in all the performances going forward and back. It's great to have Ninga back. He's a great goal scorer when he's on form. It's he's maybe not quite got up to pace, but maybe this one gets him the, the the momentum that he needs really after that setback last season that when he was again starting to hit form, he, he got picked up the injury. But I do want to take a moment for Vittorino Hilton. The 40-year-old is a Rolls-Royce of a centre-back, isn't he? He's not really got, <laughs> he's not really got much pace left, but he, he, he tries to do his positioning is uh, second to none, really, because if he, the fact he never gets caught out for anything, he never gets out of position, he never seems to be beaten easily because he's got great strength and, and great 
belief in his ability with the ball at his feet as well. He's an excellent player. And I think that keeping him as, as a heartbeat, I know they really can't rely on him for much longer, um, but if, I don't know how old he could get to at the moment, really. He's, he's absolutely doing a, a sterling job at a club that are, are, are heading on the upwards curve, at least. Uh, a little bit of time left, really, for our, our league on snapshot, so we'll keep it brief uh, this week, Peter. What's your snapshot? My snapshot is the the Breton derby, Claudio Ranieri's first taste of uh, derby de la Bretagne, and it ended in defeat uh, against a run side that will take a huge amount of confidence. Uh, obviously, new coach Sabri Lamucci's come in, uh, inheriting uh, a side that invested in the summer. They want to. It seems like they want to try and move in the direction of the Lyon side. I know we mentioned that last week about what Lyon side should do, and and Ren do have the capability to do that with their with their excellent academy. Uh, and they got a huge result uh, against Nantes, uh, an 88th-minute winner from Wabi Kazri, uh, the former Sunderland man. Um, he looks to have found himself again. He's, um, since he's come in, he's, he's scored goals. He's been a, a really good option. And what I like in particular about Ren is that they seem to be forming a nice combination going forward. Obviously, Bourigeau has been superb. Uh, they've got Johan Gorkuth back. He's doing very well. And you've got Kazri. And as a free, they connect very, very well. And I think once you get Ismail Assar back from injury, obviously he's, he's a longer-term layoff, you might have a decent attacking outfit there uh, that can be more of a threat and more of a side that they want to be in the top half of the table. But ended in defeat for Ranieri, a red card for Palois as well, didn't help matters. Um, but yeah, a good win for Ren. Yeah, he, he always feels liable for that, doesn't he, Palois? It's a, it's a bit of a, a misnomer for him. He does seem to get a little bit rash in some of these games I think it's a little bit of firing I think that's his second red card against Ren as well I'm pretty sure he had that long suspension after getting red carded at Ren uh, while he was still at Bordeaux so it doesn't really particularly like being at the Rojan part does he um, my snapshot this week is, is a little bit of a, a, a weird one shall we say and it was at the uh, Stade Geoffrey Guichard between uh, Saint-Étienne and uh, Strasbourg a relatively entertaining 2-2 draw really that showed the the fighting spirit of the away side and maybe the the malaise that they there are still in but the, <laughs> the bit that I liked in this game w- was actually on the sidelines and Julian Sable bringing back the old jumper combo that you don't see in managers nowadays that we saw a lot of it in the 90s maybe where that the manager would wear that uh, a jumper with like he had Lecoq Sportif which is the sponsor for for Saint-Étienne it was a big and broad one in a big green jumper we have so many managers in suits or just in a big long coat now it was great to see on a, on a chilly evening uh, just a jumper to warm the uh, the French manager although it didn't really turn into results yet although they've they've brought in some help in Gasset being in the uh, in the backroom staff maybe that might do uh, something in the near future but that's all we have time for this week. Uh, my thanks to Peter and for all of you listening at home. Uh, join us for the preview show on Thursday. We will also cover an exciting midweek version of Liga and the main show will be back at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye. <laughs>